0: I think we are all set. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to episode number 266 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. KB and Matt coming at you live from Underground Studios. Of course, our show would not be possible without our incredible local sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And, of course, our amazing merch provider, Design Tree. Head over to DSGNtree.com. Search Underground Sports Philadelphia. Check out our entire storefront, locked and loaded with all the best Philly sports merch you could ask for. And when you go to checkout, use the promo code DSGN5 to save yourself 5 bucks off your order at checkout. Our friends over at Tomahawk Shades. And, of course the newest member of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family, Manscaped. Support for Underground Sports Philadelphia is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months, which is about as long as John Middleton has been pitching that he's going to bring this trophy back to Philadelphia, uh, perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, which is about a football game and a half. So on Sunday, you have plenty of time in between those 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock slates to take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower, and one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor, which is about as fast as Jalen Rager ran that uh, 55-yard route that he caught from Carson Wentz with Quiet Stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand that will let you show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself, Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscape.com. Your balls will thank you. And like I said, get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code USP. What's going on, Matt? Living the dream as per usual. Seems like our our teams are not doing that right now. Uh, I think nightmares still count as dreams, but... Shout out Meek Mill. Um, The Philadelphia Eagles take one on
1: the chin, too. It is dreams and nightmares, not dreams or nightmares. Valid. Uh,
0: They lose to a team with no name on Sunday. Uh, Before the game, Lane Johnson ruled out. Miles Sanders and Derek Barnett didn't even travel with the team. And it was just flat-out embarrassing. They allowed eight sacks to uh to Carson Wentz and the Washington football team ends up with uh the defensive player of the week in the NFC and Ryan Kerrigan and it's just time for this team to look itself in the mirror and really figure out what they're trying to do this year because if things are going to continue to go this way I know they brought in uh Suo Pita off the practice squad this week they've signed Jamon Brown it's it's just a continuing like Giant glare on Howie Roseman right now, in my opinion, from a depth perspective for this team, Doug Peterson, for whatever reason, continues to fail to adjust when the the guys that he has game planned for that particular week come out of games. He just seems like he can just plug somebody else in and they're going to produce the same way. That an elite superstar player would and I saw no adjustments from Doug Peterson on Sunday and then Carson Wentz also has to be better you know he's got to make some of those throws some of these rookie wide receivers look like they had first game jitters which is expected but it was unfortunate at the times that they came Um, but this Eagles team is 0-1 right now heading into a matchup against the LA Rams on Sunday and that just seems terrifying.
1: Well, it's the second straight year that you've had uh, between these two teams last year at the beginning of the season as well. Washington goes up big, and Philly's one that mounts the comeback and scores, what, 24-27 unanswered in that game as well. Very similar, and as the game wore on, Washington found themselves just a better team all around, I I think, especially that defensive front. I think some people expected them to have. Obviously, they've they've invested a lot of draft capital uh, to, to improving that. Chase Young this year, obviously, um, and they looked every bit of the part. Um, I think this is a, a really tough loss, simply because Lane Johnson, by the way, was like a really. I had no clue that he no. had anything. That was a huge surprise. It hadn't been reported. Miles Sanders, we were pretty sure wasn't going to obviously be going, and you know that our understanding as well is like it's better to like not even have him travel and i think there's also also the covid aspect as well where like okay like guaranteed to like stay at home and stay safe rather than traveling and risking any potential exposure or anything and everything that we're hearing this week sounds like he's good to go 100%. so it seems precautionary and actually smart from the eagles injury management wise when we've seen so many times either rush guys back or you know delay certain surgeries or different kinds of treatment programs. We saw this all last season with Deshaun Jackson, where if he had just gotten that surgery week two, he's back, you know, by late November and said he's gone the whole season. And and you you lose that effectiveness. So all around, I think it's injury ravagement that really just destroyed this game for us because you came in with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard being your one and two targets. And a a Jalen Rager in his first NFL game with no rookie camp, uh, extremely short in training camp you know these guys didn't get to do pads very much and wide receiver rookies typically take longer to integrate because of the speed of the game and the connection and chemistry with the quarterback takes so much longer um, I think it's actually a bright spot that he was able to get a, a deep ball like that because that's typically how many times do we see big deep plays like that this this week week one right. it was very very basic game plans by lots of teams so I think that's a something a bright spot to take and that the shoulder seems fine and that he can progress, but an ugly loss for sure. And I mean, when you look at the Eagles' schedule as well, it doesn't get any easier. Um, you're looking at the Rams this week who looked great. I I thought, um, really, really efficient offense. Bengals should be win, but all of October 49ers Steelers, Ravens giants. That's, I mean, I don't Cowboys to Cowboys, right. Cowboys right at the beginning of November. Um, I mean, you're looking. I mean, this is way far in advance. So we still can't even talk about last game. But I mean, you're looking at two and five.
0: You know, three and four if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: those are the. That's a three week stretch where I would be surprised if the Eagles win. <laughs> you know, it, it's that's that's the difficulty with, with starting out with such a just a, a poor poor game all around. And, and yeah, I think you're right when you say that Carson has to has to improve because so many times the. The pressure wasn't really surprising. You saw so often the pocket just completely collapse, and he had at least one or two seconds to make a decision. And we know, especially Boston Scott, I think lots of people from a fantasy fantasy aspect of this too are probably frustrated because Miles Sanders go down. You think Boston Scott's your guy, and there were times where he was open. You know, in, in those situations where Carson is taking the sack, where you just dump it off to him and and let him try. And it's not like Boston Scott is a bum. You know, like we've seen him at the end of last season play very well and I think that's the reason lots of people were sort of talking themselves into him again. Um the decision making by Carson I think was, was definitely poor. And, you know, again, when he's getting hit that often and he's constantly having a rush, of course that's not gonna aid his, his ability to to really take care of the ball. But um the interceptions were killer. Uh bad decision making on that front and even the fumbles, you know, like it's just um all around I, I think A tough look for him but you know every week one there's big surprises and I think Washington could be that team I mean this is a team that again you you say you also saw with Jacksonville this week where it's kind of a younger team that everyone's counted out completely um and clearly has talent in certain areas of the field and you you can't really you know put that away and again though I think a lot of this comes down to just the injuries that the Eagles are facing when you go into any game and, and you Eagles are different than other teams, in that their tight ends are, are much more uh, like user friendly and are going to be obviously more involved. Especially if they do that twelve man personnel, and you know, but those are your top two targets uh, by a long shot, <laughs> and you don't have your starting running back who's a stud, and you're hoping to see, um, you know, you miss like half your offensive line. That's a t- that's a tough scene for anyone to deal with. I think that that's I know I don't want to say unwinnable because you had a seventeen nothing lead, but that's that's hard to manage.
0: And let's not forget, right before game time, we find out the Lane Johnson news, and then this Zachert's heated discussion with Howie Roseman that was a screaming match allegedly and all this other stuff clearly made its way onto the field because Zachert's body language the entire game on Sunday was so poor. Uh, I don't know if you noticed it or if you were watching the game at that point, but the, the camera on the broadcast panned right onto Zach Ertz, and it looked like he was, like, wincing in pain. He was down on a knee, and a timeout was called, and I thought it was an injury timeout for the Eagles. But Washington had called a timeout, and still nobody was tending to Zach Ertz. And I was just, like, super confused as to what was going on. I was like, he's clearly, like, in pain. Why is nobody helping him? He scored his touchdown and almost treated it like it was nothing.
1: I was actually going to say the opposite. So I was watching Red Zone, so I wasn't watching the game. But I, f- I could swear that when Zachary had scored, and this I was going to bring this up, I felt like it was a like he had just scored in a big playoff game. Like I felt like I saw everyone run to him, and that's what concerns me about this. Is if it becomes a Zachary seems likable to me. Mm-hmm. I think especially since he's a veteran. Again, he seems like a seems like a great teammate. Seems like just we know he's he's a great guy. Um, I think players like to see guys like that get paid. They want to see, you know, this is a team with lots of veterans on it as well that are certainly not afraid of of speaking their mind on anything. See Jason Peters. And I feel like it could, not that it will, but it could turn into a, we support Zach, we're with Zach, and F you pay him. You know, like that kind of... JT
0: Real Muto 2.0. Right.
1: Where that seems more like almost tongue-in-cheek, where Mm -hmm. like Bryce is kind of like... He understands. He's a panderer. That's what he does. Yes. He knows it's what the fans like. Whereas I think with the Eagles, especially just the way football kind of is, um, where guys have like the understanding of like, all right, like you have a short window, and I, I just think I, it could turn ugly, you know. And the fact that that's getting leaked right before the game isn't healthy either. I don't know who that's benefiting. It's not benefiting anyone. It's not making, you know, it's not winning anyone to to Zach Ertz's side. And I don't think that's making the Eagles organization look good either because if someone leaks that. That doesn't just. I don't know who on what side that benefits necessarily, um, but that's not good. That's something that should obviously stay within the organization. Um, I'm personally, I love Zach Ertz. I, I preface this by saying he's a great guy, <laughs> great player. Absolutely. No question when I say this. You cannot extend Zach Ertz. That would be the dumbest thing to do. And I, I get it. He's a fan favorite. Might be one of the most fan favorite players of this decade. He's here for a long time. We love his wife. She's awesome, too. Um, They're just everything about him. Nothing, not a bad word about Zach Ertz. When you have Dallas Goddard waiting in the wings, and we saw what he could do Sunday, when you have that at at, at a position that there isn't a lot of like elite-level guys, and Zach Ertz is no longer, in my opinion at least, I don't think he's in that elite tier. I think there's a two-year window where he was. I think he's right below. He's still fantastic. Still a great tight end. But I do not think he's that elite level. He's on the he's on the wrong side of his age. And I think if you lock him up long term, you're gonna be kicking yourself because we we extend Nelson uh, not Nelson Hagler, send Alshon Jeffrey, right? That contract is unmovable now. You are stuck with that. I'm not saying he's gonna have that decline because he doesn't have the history of injuries that Alshon has, right? And I don't think he'll have that decline. But when you already have a younger option and you already have the cap situation that the Eagles do, you already have aging veterans on this team. Like you do where you're going to, we've already seen having to rebuild a little bit on the fly with this team. I don't know how you extend Zachary. I really don't. And that's not, that's not a discredit to him, but I just, I don't think it's a, it's a good fit. And I think he has the right to be upset about that. I think he has the right to want to get his money. He deserves it. But ultimately that is a contract that you look three, four years from now and think that was dumb. And it's, I think I think it's mostly because you have Dallas Goddard. If you didn't have someone like him, I think it's you deal with it. You pay the guy on like past performances that he's still a very good tight end now, and obviously still you know like number one, number two option. Um, but when you have someone like Goddard, I
0: think waiting. I I just I think that's a mistake personally. Yeah, I uh, I understand the Goddard aspect and everybody talking about how he can just kind of like seamlessly like slide in as the number one tight end. Me personally, just watching both of them play and their styles of play, I think they're two totally different types of players. Um, And I think with Zach Ertz, he reminds me a lot of longevity-wise, like a Tony Gonzalez, like an Antonio Gates, where he can play well into his 30s. So if you're able to work something out with him, obviously he has two years left on his deal. I personally don't see anything getting done this season, if it were to get done. Um, just because of COVID going on and Howie Roseman's come out and said that that's been a a big reason why they haven't been able to come to an agreement. Um, But when you see these guys, and I, I personally think over the last two, three years, Zach Ertz has had better performances as a whole season than Travis Kelsey has, who has just gotten paid. Travis Kelsey, amazing tight end, does what he has to do with the Kansas City Chiefs, I also think Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz are kind of on that same, like, platform. You know, George Kittle's up here. He's also three or four years younger than both of yeah. those guys. Uh, so I understand him getting paid. Travis Kelsey, I get him getting paid because this is his first, like, massive contract. They just won a Super Bowl. But I, I view Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz in the same pantheon because they kind of do similar things for their teams. Um and, I mean, overall, Zach Ertz's injuries that he's had for the most part have kind of been those quote-unquote freak injuries. Yeah. He's, um, a, he's a
1: football injury guy, not someone that you're – he's not a George Kill, right? with his right. knee where this might be a yearly thing. Or even Travis Kelsey also – no one talks about this. He had a microfracture in yes. his knee uh, like four or five years ago, and that is an injury that historically has, like, been a career ender at some point. Like, those surgeries typically – I don't want to, I don't want to like throw dirt on him at all, but like no. those are ticking time bombs. Yeah. Like those are those are injuries that typically really come back to haunt players, especially
0: with how much um, route running he does.
1: Yes, like he's a very involved tight end. Like he's he's the first wide receiver on that team, mm-hmm. and I, you could make the same case for Hurts. I think the problem is, and you're not wrong. I, I again I I I'm fully a believer in Zach Ertz. Yeah. I think he's a great talent. The issue is is that you're going to be paying him like a George Kittle, like a like a Kelsey when he's not that anymore. And you could make the case that right now, I'm not sure that he is. I I think he, again, I would say like last two, three years, he's had those same similar peaks. But I think right now, I mean, you saw it in the game Sunday. I mean, he's, he's Dallas Goddard was the option. This is this a guy that was getting what, nine, 10 targets thrown to him, you know? Like in, Ertz also was obviously involved, but I just think, again, if you're going to be paying him big money when you have a team option on him this year, like what it's just extending him seems like a bad idea and I and I don't think it's fair to him either if you I I think it would actually almost be better in some senses to be more like player friendly if you do trade him to like a preferred destination because then he can get his money he can get that long-term contract and security that he wants whereas you either let him go this year in one of the most uncertain free agency periods ever, because I don't know when or how many fans you're getting. You're going to have the same issues with not wanting to spend the money. We've seen this past year with guys entering free agency, thinking they're going to get these big bags and don't. I'm not saying Zach Ertz is that good, but it's a risk. You know, Jadavion Clowney thought he was going to get paid big money, and he didn't. You know, like Yannick Ngakwe like, wanted to leave, took $5 million less just to get out of his situation. And obviously when you're a free agent, you have a lot more decision-making, but... You know, it's a, it would be, I think, un, I think it'd be more fair to just work something out either because I, I don't think we're signing him because...
0: Still got two years left. Like it's right. this year and next but, year that you have... But
1: with the team option, right? So you, you you exercise the team option, let's say. Now he has one year left on his deal and he's another year older. And who knows what next, next year <laughs> even looks like. What if he gets injured? You know, and that's that's... I, I think again when you have the relationship with that player like that, and he's he means a lot to, to the Eagles as a team. Obviously, he's had arguments, but I think they still like have a good relationship there. You'd wanna if you if it's not gonna work out here, and it seems clear because they offered him even less guaranteed money than previously. That that was obviously a big sparking point in this argument. You have to believe, then you work out a, a way to get him in a better situation so that he can get that contract. Right. Because then you don't want to have him on an expiring deal and, you know, God forbid something happens, then he loses out on that. And I think that's, that's something he'd think about too. So I think it's, it's a messy situation and I don't, I don't like that. It's become like Public 12, 1240 12 PM. We're getting like an ESPN alert about this row that they had. Like that's, that shouldn't be the way this goes. He should be treated much better than that. Um, again, I'm, you know, if we gave him that, if we extended him, I would certainly not like. I'm gonna be banging my fist on the table, like hating it. But I think it it is a contract we would live to regret, personally.
0: I view it like this too. When it comes to Dallas Goddard getting the target share, he did. I don't know if you saw it this way. It very much seemed like the game plan was force, not force in a bad way, but force the ball to Dallas Goddard as the number one option. And if Ertz is there, go ahead. It seemed like they kind of took Zach Ertz out of the game plan which if you're howie roseman if you're doug peterson and you comply with that and you make that uh you know something you do in a game against a divisional opponent week one that's just absolute malpractice yeah. and you're you're hurting your team even more so than what you're already doing um because Zach Ertz historically has torched the Washington football team a of teams. like <laughs> the Washington football team and Zach Ertz Zach Ertz licks his lips every single week when he sees when those games are because he typically gets, you know, 8 to 10 receptions, well over 100 yards, one to two touchdowns every single game and for him to only get 3 catches for 18 yards and a touchdown in this one was just super weird to me. I mean, I think if you
1: had penciled in like your top tight ends of the week it would have been like Kelsey or, or Kittle, whichever mm-hmm. one or two, right there, and like Mark Andrews, Zach Ertz, and like Ertz, especially because of all the injuries, you expect that this is gonna, this is a guy that's gonna get targeted a lot. We didn't quite see that. Yeah, it's, I mean, first drive, you think, all right, yeah, this is, I, 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 saw, I saw it happen. I'm like, all right, this is exactly what we all expected, right? You know, like Ertz is gonna finish today with like ten or eleven catches. You yeah, know, I like, saw a tweet just,
0: that said if if Zach Ertz is gonna play like this, he should get in an argument with Howie Roseman every week.
1: Yeah, but. It is it is concerning that potentially he might have been game planned out. It's also week 1, so it's hard mm-hmm. to say and I don't know that they were necessarily it seems like they were probably planning the whole week without Miles Sanders just based off of the fact that he was ruled out like it wasn't a game time decision or anything. He didn't travel with the team. Felt like they had pretty much made their decision probably like last Wednesday, Tuesday that he was not going to be playing. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it's it's a little concerning but and especially when you consider the context of of all the injuries surrounding that you'd you know Zach Ertz has been one of carson's favorite targets um you'd think he'd be the one you know with a with kind of a, that really good rapport and like just comfort um wasn't really the case but it's, it's week one so you don't want to like overreact too much to saying like oh like there's a lot of takes about like Goddard's now the number one it's like I don't personally believe that I just think Goddard's very talented yeah and this is a guy that I think has the ability to be as good as Zach Ertz, as good as Travis Kelsey as good like he has that ability to do that Um, but Zach Ertz is still I think fantastic as well like he's in he's in a very high tier for me but I just think all around terrible game for the Eagles and, and again you go into this week now against the Rams and What what an insanely difficult matchup? Aaron Donald is
0: like an attack dog, just waiting to pounce on this offense. I'm
1: worried what he what he might do to Carson once. Yeah, I'm 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 terrified. I'm very worried that he's gonna like suck the skin and like blood off of him, and we're just gonna be left with a husk because it's scary. You you saw what he did to Dallas, who typically you know they had similarly some injuries to the the offensive line as well, but he's getting double teamed and still getting sacks like that
0: concerns the hell out of me. (laughs) Yep, I was. Obviously, it was awesome to see the Cowboys lose that game. Um, but then you remember you faced the <laughs> But then you remember the following week, you're going to have to face the same exact thing with a depleted <laughs> offensive line uh, that couldn't stop anybody against Washington. Now you got to do it against Aaron Donald, who is just a, a wrecking ball in and of itself. you got to face Jalen Ramsey now, who looked fantastic. Um it's, it's not an ideal situation right now, and hopefully Lane Johnson is back because I think that'll be a big boost in terms of just protecting Carson and then scattering your depth that you have currently uh, a little bit wider. But the offense that the Rams have, and George sure Jared Goff didn't look good, but Robert Woods certainly did, and I'm sure Cooper Cup's going to get more involved. And the the thing I'm looking forward to seeing with this game is who does Darius Slade cover, who looked fantastic against Washington, held Terry McLaurin to only five catches for 61 yards. Which wide receiver does Jim Schwartz put Darius Slay on? Because it seems like the game plan with Darius Slay is he's going to follow whatever wide receiver he ends up covering. Avante Maddox looked good, so I'm not really too concerned coverage-wise, um, especially since I think Jared Goff is you know a, a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. Um, he's a game manager. If he can hit his throws, he will. You just got to worry about Tyler Higbee underneath, too, because if you put a ton of emphasis on stopping those two wide receivers on the outside and uh Nickel Roby Coleman covering whoever they have in the slot, Tyler Higbee can burn you underneath, and that's something that the Eagles need to put a lot of emphasis on because Jared Goff loves throwing the ball to him.
1: Yeah, and I think this is also – just a very well-balanced team because so you just – you wax lyrical, and rightly so, about the passing. But we saw also Malcolm Brown absolutely torch. And I, I think we have a better defensive line than the Cowboys mm-hmm. do. Typically, like the last four or five years, been a top five, you know, rush defense. You, you saw that again on Sunday as well, like a, a very stout run. which Of course, they got two running scores, but whatever um, – you know, yeah, so you're going to have to contend with that as well. And the fact that it is kind of a running back by committee doesn't help because it's harder to game plan for two or three guys than it is when you know you have a main bell cow to worry about. So I think it's a very well-balanced team. Um, it's it's strange, the Rams. They're not like, especially on the offensive side, they're not like superstars. No one on that team is like, you, you don't have, you don't even have someone really on like Zach Ertz like kind of like level in yeah. terms of like just notoriety. And like, oh, Zach Ertz Like everyone like, Outside of like fantasy, I don't know that people would really even know like anything about Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, right? Like these are not household names, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what's strange about them. But they're very just, they're just very efficient. Um, and, and you saw just so many times them just march and just burn clock against the Cowboys. So that's, that's going to be a, a, a difficult matchup for us. But I mean, if anything, this, this first week has shown us is that it's still just a crazy, stupid game that can go, <laughs> that can go any way you want. Um, so, you, you have to feed into that. And, I mean, we've beaten the
0: Rams before under, under more difficult circumstances. We've beaten better Rams teams. Yes. So Doug's 2-0 against Sean McVay in his career. So, it'll be interesting to see how Doug game plans for this. And if need be, makes adjustments in this game. Um, because if something happens to another player, Doug needs to know how to make adjustments to benefit the new player subbing in for that injured player. Because it... It drives me crazy because it's it's pretty. It's one of the main reasons we got rid of Chip Kelly is he thought he could just slot any player into his system and it would work. And obviously that was not the case. And ever since the Super Bowl year, it seems like whenever somebody gets injured outside of Carson Wentz because Doug tailored the offense to Nick Foles, every other player that slides in, Doug just has like these blinders on thinking it's still the the game day starter and I need to see in game adjustments from Doug Peterson because he also flat out got out coached on Sunday against Washington. And yeah, and
1: I mean again, I, I think that almost comes to the I think we all just kind of undersold Washington a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. the they Ron Rivera is a great coach and I I don't think you can you can understate that very much and um I I do think I think Doug has kind of suffered from not having tons of options either. Yes. Um, Especially the last two years where you have pretty much every skill position as an aging, unreliable player. That hasn't helped. I mean, last year, Nelson Aguilar was like the wide receiver one on this team. (laughs) Like, who is now like, what, the sixth string on Las Vegas? Caught touchdown. Right. (laughs) Good for him. (laughs) His one of the year. But, you know, like that's that's the level, like, he, you know, and there were two, obviously, high-value rookies, right, you're, like, Henry Ruggs especially, but Brian Edwards, like, not typically, like, he, they're above him, Mm -hmm. you know, and that was a guy that we were depending, so, I, I agree in some ways, but also, I think, you know, how involved is he in the draft discussion, who knows, right, but this is, this is the first year that I think we went in thinking, we have two very good skill guys in Rager and Miles Sanders, you Mm -hmm. know, and, Obviously, you're without technically really both of them in the lead up to the game. Miles Sanders completely, and Rager comes in, and I refuse to believe that he was at 100. You know, he's like yeah. he's got a plus. He's
0: a rookie; doesn't really have that right. connection with Carson yet, and that was obvious on the two deep balls that Carson missed with him. I personally thought that Carson missed them, but then when you go back and watch, Jalen Rager also slowed down a bit uh, on the one, and that's just a rookie mistake. Like that's gonna get there. So I'm not concerned about Jalen Rager whatsoever. John Hightower, on the other hand, buddy, comeback route means you come yeah. back.
1: Definitely some uh, – I mean, but this is this is what we kind of expected when you you had the kind of – not really shortened, but the kind of like just altered training camp. You do not have preseason games. Mm-hmm. But you're like, this felt preseasony. Yes. You know, where it's like you're seeing like those kind of drops and miscommunications that you expect in like game two you know when you when they get like an extra like 10 minutes you know or whatever like oh okay so working out the kinks but the problem is this game means everything you know especially when again we just we talked at the top about the schedule coming up and that Dennis East is going to be a it's just a bloodbath yet again um and you know, and every game means so much more this season because you have that extra playoff spot, right? So it's going to be like just so much more competitive. You want to be able to assure yourself and have, you know, a better matchup. Um, obviously, maybe there's you can make the argument there's a little more margin for error now because you have that extra playoff spot, but everyone's in the same boat that this is all, it's, it's all coming very fast and you have to be able to adapt quickly and you have to also be able to gel quickly. And my worry with the Eagles is that, you had a really injury-riddled, like, week and a half, two weeks leading up into that game. And now you're going to have to work again to to reintegrate guys. And you're going to have to do it against a very good L.A. team. You get the Bengals right after that who you would assume you could beat. And they look right? good. Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow, like, you know. <laughs> Game-winning drive, this should, field goal. Absolutely. Um, I mean, even before that, the A.J. Green offensive pass interference was, I thought, stupid. I Like, I don't yeah. like those calls for, like, I don't know what it was and obviously for the Cowboys game too it's like funny to watch that. but like if I'm in that position I'm pissed if that's my team and I I, they they call that you know in like a game-winning catch or like a I mean that would have essentially probably won the game for the Cowboys if not at least sent it to overtime
0: which I thought that one was more offensive pass interference than AJ Green yes
1: AJ Green's that like I see that every week yeah uh like Gallup Gallup, I also think like you could call that on every play. Yeah. Honestly, like I see that all the time, and and like I see like fifty percent of the time they're like that's ah, just football. They're just fighting for the ball. I mean, Jalen Ramsey himself wasn't looking at the ball either. I thought mm-hmm. that was the rule. Like you can't, you know, like and he flopped. You know, I, again, I'm not here to defend the Cowboys, but like I just I don't like when referees make that call unless it's egregious. It has mm-hmm. to be, yeah, it has yeah. to be a penalty. Like you, you, I think to to call it on like ticky tacky stuff is it's just a lame way to end a game no one's happy about that even like the rams and walk away like like no it's just it just sours the whole mood like just unless it's something egregious don't call it cuz it's just it, it just ruins I, I think the end of the game bear. but i mean joe burrow by you know he could slam the browns tomorrow and have the dude is cold blooded like he didn't look out of place at all in that game winning drive like he looked just stone cold killer he said it himself. He's like, do I look like a guy that gets nervous? No, he doesn't. <laughs> like, he's very good. And they're going to have another, you know, and they're going to have that longer break, too, together. Like, that's a scary game. Mm-hmm. But you should still be beating
0: the Bengals if we're being Frank because that defense yeah. is atrocious. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this Eagles team against the Rams, and we'll preview it uh, later this week. Um, but the Phillies, Matt. <laughs> They they just know how to do it. Well, we did say,
1: we built them up a little bit and said all they got to do is beat the Marlins, which we knew in the back of our minds was a bad idea. And we knew uh, we were tempting fate. We knew it. We said it. And we said, I can't wait to come back next week. Two and, and five. And that we were three games back. We're not. <laughs> we're a half game back, baby. <laughs> that's called subverting the expectations. And that's what Ooh. we like here. We love it. We love our Phillies that can't
0: beat the goddamn Marlins in a baseball series. I hate the state of Florida. Did you also know that that was the very first seven-game series the Phillies have ever played in? Really? The Phillies have That's never, never happened? played at game seven up until that Marlins series.
1: Huh. I mean, yeah, I guess typically, yeah, it's all like five or like three-game series <laughs> or like a, you like know, a home and away or something. But, I mean, so let me just... Let me just say, the Phillies' poor season is all the Marlins' fault. Yes. And I will never, ever forgive or forget that they did this to us um, because we had that terrible, truncated start to the season. Okay, so we've had to play lots of doubleheaders, right? And with that, we've had, they've been seven inning games. We've played 12 of them, Kyle. We've played 12 seven inning games. How many of those 12 games have we won?
0: I think it's three.
1: You are correct. Oh, I don't have a prize for you, but yeah, we went three and nine in seven inning games. We're eighteen and thirteen in nine inning games. Three and one in extra innings. So that's an improvement. The longer this team plays, the better they get. <laughs> is
0: is Who the conclusion with this right?
1: Isn't that just a my? Oh my god! But you know the the problem with the seven inning games is that it, it, so much of it is the bullpen, yeah. and that's that's the issue there. But it what pisses me off. Is that, that should, We shouldn't have had that many. We should not have had 12. No. You know, we're obviously going to have some double-headers, with just the way this season is. Shouldn't have been the case. No. And that's that's what kills me. And, of course, the Marlins get to, to benefit off that fact. I hate seeing Sixto, like, coming back to kill us, which sucks. Um, he's so good, man. He's very good, which is, <laughs> which is frustrating. But, it's, crazily enough, this Philly team is somehow in it. The problem is now... Get hit with the injury bug. Everybody's you, hurt. You're losing JT. You're losing Grease. You're losing Jay Bruce. The one silver lining, however, one Mickey Moniac bingo coming up. Um, I mean that's exciting. You know, and I think uh, that's that's a name. It's kind of cooled off in the last year of, yes. of like our. He, he was dealing with like an injury, right? And I, I think you know just
0: being young. Player development is never linear. High school bat takes longer to develop and he's always been like I think two years younger than everybody that he's played against competition wise since he got drafted by the Phillies so like you'd expect those road bumps and people who had these like lofty expectations for Mickey Moniak like the year the Phillies drafted Mickey Moniak was the worst year to have the number one overall pick because there was no clear cut consensus number one it player. Goes, isn't it? That's just so Philadelphia and sports. And so they took Mickey Moniak because they could get him under slot, and then they were able to get a guy in the second round, guarantee him more money, and he got immediately injured and has just been in the minors since. But while it's exciting that Mickey Moniak is coming up, uh, shout-out to Jack Fritz. He broke that news first. Um, it's also an indictment on John Middleton because – Mickey Moniak is up right now, and some of these prospects are up right now because John Middleton refused to pay the luxury tax. As fun as it is to see these guys finally coming up, making their debuts and stuff, John Middleton will never be forgiven, especially if this team misses the playoffs because he refused to pay the luxury tax.
1: So I, I agree with you. I would also... Pose a question. Why not both? <laughs> why not fair? Why what fair. go and 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 uh, and pick guys up and also let's let's bring in Alec Boehm, Spencer Howard, and Mickey Moniak. You know, let's do that too. Um, let's maybe uh, sign the guy that we traded six to four to a long term. Yeah, you know, you know, best um, catcher in baseball. No big deal. Right. Um, I will say that most like sites and stuff have like the Phillies. I think like between like an eighty-five and like ninety percent chance to make the playoffs, which terrifies me because that's. Mm-hmm. Don't it's like that high. very much. Um, and currently up one nothing in the bottom of the second. Runner on third. So we'll take that.
0: And Zach Wheeler's finally pitching again.
1: Zach Wheeler, freak injury that I don't know if we even talked about. He <sighs> tore his fingernail off pulling his pants up. I guess.
0: <laughs> I heard uh, Justin Clue on SB Nation's Phillies podcast, The Good Fight, He uh, on their feed. He said, can we just round up Zach Wheeler's contract to $120 million and designate that two million dollars for Zach Wheeler to pay somebody to put his pants on for him. I just don't understand. I don't understand the science. Behind like, I need a,
1: I need someone to draw me a like uh, uh, a diagram here of. I mean, are these jeans or are these like workout pants? Like, I am just. I'm
0: not. I'm not
1: doubting his story, but I'm just very confused. How I do get happens. how that happens. And but, um, Joe
0: Girardi has also said that he's had middle fingernail issues in the past. Zach Wheeler or that Joe Girardi's? He's like, like I Zach relate Wheeler. to Zach well, Wheeler because we- well, Joe Girardi said that he didn't even want to see Zach Wheeler's nail because he gets queasy oh, about gosh. that kind of stuff. The trainer asked and said it was you know good to go. Do you want to see? It? He was like, No, if it's good, I'm I'm fine. Uh, but he said Zach Wheeler has had middle fingernail issues in the past, and I'm just like, How is that a? First of all, how does that injury? happened to begin with and how is it a recurring issue Are
1: we, is this like how we learn Markel Fultz's like thoracic outlet like I might have to learn about uh, some new weird like medical condition that Zach Wheeler has it causes his his caught p- on pants of, syndrome of course his pitching hand
0: his throwing hand is the one and let's not forget that if the nail was to come off Zach Wheeler would have been shut down for the season yeah <laughs> so
1: that's rough but he's back tonight and seems to be uh, so far doing well um, and let's hope we, get, we can take care of the Mets. The Marlins series, at this point, I don't know why we're even surprised anymore when we drop games to them because we just, I don't know what it is. Can't beat them. E- even when they've had, like, evolving rosters because it's just a revolving door down in Miami. They're, they're constantly shuffling uh, guys in and out. We just can't beat them. I don't know what it is. But also look at the home and road splits, which don't mean that much this year. You know, because there's the, you don't have like the crowd support or anything, but there's obviously like the travel. And- yeah, travel. And there's like some difference, difference, obviously, in like ballpark sizes and stuff. Um, 16 and 10 at home, 143 runs scored, 126 runs against. On the road, 8 and 13, 104 runs scored, 120 runs against. Oh, That's five less games, and you only have, you, you almost have the same amount of runs. Against you, that's wild. Six, six less.
0: That's crazy.
1: I mean, just night. Nice. I mean, well, I don't know what it is for Philadelphia sports teams and their ability to go on the road Ugh. and just perform at a normal level. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what magic shield we have in the, in the Delaware Valley that just keeps keeps everyone sane. It's
0: smog. It must be. I mean, Jesus. But do you, do you want just like the ultimate Philadelphia pain? Uh, so, right now, the Phillies are the 7th seed if the playoffs started today at 24 and 23. The two teams behind them fighting to get into the playoffs and getting that 8th seed. Uh, the 8th seed right now are the Gabe Kapler-led San Francisco yes. Giants. And the outside-looking in nine seed are the David Bell-led Cincinnati Reds. Two Philadelphia the, legends. The, the,
1: Cardinals, the Cardinals are right there, too, still, aren't they? Cardinals or are they, they are fall the Cardinals
0: are the 6th seed. Oh, okay, yeah. That's what um, I was thinking of. But Gabe Kapler and David Bell fighting for positions in the playoffs with the Philadelphia is Phillies like, is just so poetic. This is like that scene in The Dark Knight where uh, the Joker breaks the the pool cue in half, <laughs> throws it between them, like, like.
1: make it fast.
0: <laughs> That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, when I when I saw, I'd that. rather
1: have to watch Bloodsport than have to face like the Padres in the first round. Like I'd rather yeah. like watch a man get killed on TV.
0: 'Cause I mean if the if the playoffs, I don't know that there's today, really a difference between
1: us and a padres game than that.
0: You'd play the Cubs in round one. Which Cubs, I mean they're hit or miss. Yeah.
1: I mean so are That's very
0: true. <laughs>
1: a movable force against a stoppable object.
0: <laughs> oh man. This team. At, at least th- at
1: least we have Alec Boom. We're right there still. And that's all you can ask for. Two weeks left in the season and you're right there. Yeah, take it. It Hasn't been like that the last two years. Exactly. Like usually September by now we're so over it and we're just crying into a bowl. You know, like at least at least we have hope still, and I'll take it.
0: This team, this damn team. Uh, Flyers news: Coots for Selkie has finally come to fruition. Shout out to Dylan. He's been uh, campaigning for that for like the last two or three years. It's been his Twitter display name. And we have uh, a Roman Quinn stealing a base alert. Here we go.
1: Coots finally takes on Selkie. Thank Christ, thank God it's that's about over. About damn time. <laughs> thank God that's <laughs> over. Because I love him and I love the support for him.
0: But damn, is I tired of hearing about it? <laughs> yes, it's about time. I mean, he had up until the bubble, he was fantastic yes. this year and well deserved. We don't talk about the bubble.
1: We don't. The what? I, that didn't happen in the United States of America. So, <laughs> to me, that happened on foreign ground. I don't Very count true. it. Very uh, true. We, we never lost in the U.S. as far
0: as I'm concerned. We're still continental champions yeah, in my still mind. Still waiting for the season to start. Yeah. Uh, and then AV got snubbed for coach of the year, in my opinion. Yeah. As did John Tortorella. Yeah, they can both suck it, honestly. I don't care. <laughs> Valid. Uh, But speaking of coaches, Sixers still don't have one. Hmm, that's but cool. uh, they got a new front-runner, man. It's just been like a month since we fired ours. <laughs> no rush, guys. <laughs> got a new front-runner, and it's, uh, of course, Mike D'Antoni.
1: Often forgotten that Mike D'Antoni was an assistant coach here way, way early in the process uh, when he was on kind of like his sabbatical. It's not uncommon. It's weird, basketball coaches. Like, they just, like, they'll travel and just, like, hang out with teams for a while, and he was kind of on this, like, more formal role where he's, like, an assistant coach here. Um so he has like some familiarity already with uh, the Sixers. Obviously no one really on that team because I think that was that was pre-Ben and I think Embiid was injured. Was he
0: here with Colangelo, though?
1: No. This was this was like I can't even remember the year and I think he was only here half a season. I think it was he moved on to the Rockets job like shortly after. He was an assistant coach for maybe half a season and this was like I want to guess 2014. Um you know, this is this was like early process kind of stuff. Like he was like he was drawing up plays for like Isaiah Cannon, I think. Like <laughs> 15, 15, 16 Yeah, okay. So
0: So he was here with Embiid.
1: Yes. I think he but he had Embiid, that was like the January run. Yeah. Um so I mean he has like semi familiarity. I wouldn't hate it, wow, but um that was
0: so long I thought it was more recent.
1: Yeah. Well I mean fifteen, sixteen. yeah, it feels like because uh, it feels man, like a different world like it' just was feel, it,
0: didn't one of the burner accounts tweet about how D'Antoni would have been a better coach than Brett
1: they they might well because what hinky left like end ish of 2016 I think it was like f- f- spring um so you know there might have been like some some division in there right and uh then obviously you have Colangelo Colangelo was in a little before that cuz they
0: had a like a previous like friendship relationship yeah. because uh Barbara Bottini Italian they they I I I don't want Mike D'Antoni here
1: I I don't think he's a bad coach I think it's just a weird fit for him yes. because this is like this is like the anti D'Antoni team like there's nothing there's nothing about like you can't go from a more stark contrast between the Rockets and their organizational philosophy and the Sixers and their organizational philosophy and their team makeup. Um, I would be intrigued to see what he could possibly do to make this team like more efficient offensively, and I don't know that we should discount that, but. Um, you know, I, I've said kind of all along that I would like a, a name that uh, we haven't heard of, <laughs> you know, like I would be I would be kind of happier if it was like someone I had to Google rather than, you know, a Ty Lu or a D'Antoni where it's like, all right, like kind of more established. Dan Tony's much more established. Obviously, there's like a higher pedigree. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um and it's weird because we did have that report about Ty Lu coming to the Sixers, which got, like, hushed very quickly. Yeah. You wonder if you'll see that now that the Clippers are eliminated, if that, like, actually comes to fruition was just an issue with he's still playing, you know, can't have that kind of agreement looming. Um, so, yeah, like, lots of – there's still a lot of murkiness, you know, and that almost makes me think that it is Ty Lu because, you know, again, you are coming up on almost, like, a month at this point since you've fired, uh, fired Brett Brown. Like – You've made no progress. We haven't even heard anything about it until D'Antoni became available. Um, so that makes me think that it's it might be Tyloo. But I wouldn't hate D'Antoni. I, I wouldn't like march in the streets about it. Um, but that's also because I'm mostly just apathetic about the Sixers.
0: D'Antoni or Tyloo? If you had your pick, oh,
1: flip a coin and shoot me. <laughs> 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 uh, oh God. Eileen Ty Lu. I would go Ty Lu, and here's why. I think I think one of the Tai strengths, and this can't be underestimated. And I've always held the belief, and this is this is my longstanding belief about coaches, managers, whatever, is that they and, and this I talked about this a lot with like Gabe Kavler too, where they have to be guys that are able to set a good culture, like they're bosses. Like, they, they, like, think of what you want in a boss, think of what you want in a manager or, or an administrator, someone above you, how you want them to treat you as, as a coworker or as an employee, and how, if you have, like, a team at your, your job or occupation or, or anything like that, how do you want that to be managed? That's what these guys have to do. You look at, like, we over-exaggerate and over-analyze, like, what a head coach does. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that their job is easy or that it's simple or that anyone could do it. But I think we also forget that, like, I think tactics and things like that are about like 45% of it, maybe even less. And I I think a majority of being a good head coach is having a good understanding of how to work with different personalities, handle egos, encourage people to be part of a team, and to just get guys to buy in. That's not an, that's an easy skill to have. Phil Jackson, one of the best coaches of any sport in my lifetime. What was what was his nickname again? What was, what was Phil Jackson's nickname?
0: The Zen Master.
1: The Zen Master. Not a uh, great guy at, at out-of-play, like out-of-bounds plays. Like not the draw-up guy. No, the Zen Master. Because he got, he got Dennis Rodman to buy in. You had Dennis Rodman, one of the most difficult personalities in the NBA's ever had. A guy that didn't really care all that much about basketball to be able to buy in. Mm-hmm. He got the greatest players in the game to give up egos and to work together and to win a shit ton. And yes, he was obviously smart tactically. I'm not saying that. But the guy, his greatest skill was he was a Zen master. <laughs> Look at Steve Kerr. He he is He's obviously played... Under Phil Jackson, good friends with Pop, right? Pop's biggest thing as well is like this kind of just cultural ability for
0: Pop, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes, has he? kind of has that same DNA where he just knows how to get superstars to work together. Mm -hmm. He just knows how to soothe egos. He knows how to how to just work with these guys and talk to them. I think Ty Lue can do the same thing. Let's Ty Lue has played with some very great players on some very great teams. By the way, like it's not like this dude
0: was like a no one, like. He also coached LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. And he won a championship. He beat the greatest team of all time.
1: <laughs> why would, why did we forget this? Why like what? Well, and I don't care that he listen, the, the argument that just because he had LeBron doesn't hold water for me because Mike Brown for years had LeBron couldn't couldn't get it to work, right? Didn't have the ability to 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 manage that. The greatest David Blatt had LeBron. <laughs> right. The greatest dynasty of this decade which in my opinion is the golden state warriors mm-hmm. because they were just unbelievable Easy. almost wasn't the greatest because of a bad coach because of a guy who, who couldn't see the forest for the trees right and couldn't get the guys to work together did, didn't have that same ability to just be a leader right and and just get guys to buy and yet, in
0: sixers fans clamor for him
1: right so, I, I think Ty Lue has that ability. I think D'Antoni obviously gets lauded, and he, do, and he deserves it for what he can do in terms of, like, his, his basketball mind. And I think if you're talking, you're kind of, like, style and philosophy, D'Antoni's probably more polished. But that's also because he's been coaching much longer. Right. And we don't—no one can tell me what Ty Lue's style is. You know, like, and, and that's sort of just being a victim of, like, the LeBron team. Unless I forget, those teams Sucked. Those teams outside of LeBron James and Kyrie Irving sucked. Kevin Love couldn't stay healthy at that point, right? He was, and, and even when he did, though, he got him to be able to kind of transition into this more like three and D, like very efficient rebounder. Like he was able to get Tristan Thompson to be like an elite, like uh, like rim defender. Like you look at the 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 pieces that he had to work with, your J R Smiths, right? Your Amon Shumperts, Kyle Corvers. He was able to rejuvenate these guys and make them work. How many times have we just bashed our head into a brick wall because we can't get our bench guys to perform well like they do in other places uh, i don't know everyone that we've acquired for the last four years we've been pissed off about because they yep. just don't ever work here so maybe tyloo would be able to do that i don't know but yeah i think if you're asking me between tyloo and d'antoni it's tyloo and i think people need to stop overthinking and over analyzing like what I'm. i'm not discounting what coaches do you know, when it when it comes to like drawing plays and things like that, and understanding how to beat other teams and rotations, that's obviously a huge part of it. But you can't forget that at the end of the day, these guys are fostering a work environment. Mm-hmm. Like, like we we constantly lose sight of that. And if you're bad at that, doesn't matter. Does not matter how smart you are. You could be the a genius. That's why Brett was so good early on. Yes, because he he understood how to just work with young guys. He he, he was able to create a good rapport with them, and they trusted him. You can't get like you can't get guys to buy in if you don't do that. You it doesn't matter how smart you are if you can't get them to like relate to you and and what you're trying to do and create that buy in already. And I think that's what Brett struggled to do later on. Mm-hmm. And especially when he was challenged by guys that have been coached by other coaches, right? That have been around the league that haven't just had Brett when he was challenged by that, I think that shook him a little bit. I think that's where some of that fell off. But I mean, Tyler, like, well respected player, and I, at least I believe so. So, yeah, I wouldn't hate Tyler Lue. And I, again, I think we have to remember these guys are, are bosses at the end of the day, <laughs> and you have to be a good boss, or, or you, literally nothing else matters.
0: So, are we rooting for Heat Nuggets so we get Jimmy versus Jeremy?
1: Um, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rooting for, uh, the bubble compromised, <laughs> <laughs> and we just never know what happens. Um, I'm rooting for Denver to win because that's the least offensive out of all the things. Um, my my pecking order would go Denver. I can't believe I'm about to say this: Lakers, uh, Heat, Celtics. That's that's my order because you know what? Like if LeBron wins one, then like it would be hilarious to see like people have to like flip back on like their LeBron sucks like arguments Mm -hmm. and like so many of those are lakers fans and like i'm i would be very much looking forward to like the retweet armageddon of lakers fans like poo-pooing lebron like five six years ago and now like saying he's the goat or whatever um and i mean you know i've when the sixers sucked the the those heat teams and then those cleveland teams were like kind of just what I gravitated towards because it was just you are watching like two of the best Mm -hmm. teams ever right um and LeBron is the best player I've seen in my lifetime so I just kind of like naturally root for him so like honestly if LeBron wins a ring as much as I like I I, I'm I'm thinking about and I'm thinking about the Lakers fans it just Uh. makes my head melt but at the same time like he'd have won a ring on three different teams like how insane is that and he cements himself as like firmly top two greatest player of all time. It's always going to be a a debate between him and Jordan. I don't think you can really, you can't really make the case for one or the other. It's so hard. Um, But yeah, I think, I mean, you'd be witnessing greatness, which I think is something I always kind of root for.
0: Yeah. I'm rooting for the nuggets because one, they follow me on Twitter. So pandering works. Um, Colorado is beautiful. Beautiful place. Beautiful. The only thing that like makes me detract from it is the amount of nonsense we would hear about yeah. Jokic. There's Adam
1: really, Ray. there's no feel good story here. <laughs> there's there's no one I'm, I'm happy to like, there's no one I'm like, even the Clippers ought to have been like, yeah, go get it. You know, like go, go shut everybody up. Go be like the LA team. <laughs> like that'd be, that'd be fun. I would have, I, I would have loved to see Landry win. Like that would have been cool. But I mean, right now, I mean, Jesus, like every team is like, ah, oh, don't really want to deal with that. I don't want to re- deal with the Jimmy stuff already sucks so much i the celtics is like the worst if the celtics win the championship i'm
0: probably not going on twitter for a week easy The, the mute button will be used extensively uh the only reason i'd be like somewhat okay with the the heat aspect is it would just like make the sixers look that much worse and you can see, like, that made the, me feel worse. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the thing.
1: And that's that's believing that there's going to be a lesson learned or something. Like, you're operating under the assumption that that will, like, yeah. spur us on to like, right. be more. It, it would just make me pissed off because it's like, well, if Jimmy's on this team, we probably won a championship. That's that's all I'm thinking yeah. of is, like, if Jimmy's on this team, we're, we're probably we're in the conference finals right now. <sighs> Which just makes you want to just. I don't know, like just kick Dash a wall until it
0: like you can't feel your leg anymore. So uh via NBC Sports Philadelphia I have a picture of Zach Wheeler's fingernail. <clears throat> um, no thanks. It's Let not as see. bad as I thought. Let me see.
1: Let me see the damage. Ah, Zach. Come on, that's fine. Yeah. It's not my, as bad. My my big I toe is in way worse shape. Yeah.
0: It's it's black and blue.
1: Yeah. I just I Very don't understand. Weird. I have lots of questions, Zach. Hit me up anytime. I mean, exactly. this
0: brother it. does follow us on Twitter. So I mean, I just want to know we what happened. Just, just
1: draw me a diagram. You don't even have to spell
0: it all out. Just, just show me, show me the doll. How your pants hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's all we got for you guys. Any final thoughts? Check in with the union. <laughs> Go union, baby. They look great, man. Yeah.
1: This has been a, this has been a great season for the union. Kind of quietly. One of the best teams in, uh, in MLS. Um, Inter Miami making big moves. Gonzalo Higuaín now going. Uh, they've made two big signings, Matuidi and Higuaín, both from Juventus. Very interesting, but they still suck. So it's like I don't know don't know what to do with that all that much, but yeah. MLS is going strong and the Union are looking very good, but a lot of games left still. Like we got a lot to work with, so can't get too hype yet, but definitely look playoff bound, which they've is going to be got their of fun. own pandemic crew too out there. They do, which is very cool. Um yeah, I mean, hopefully, like, we didn't really talk about this. The, the fans and stadiums at NFL games this Oof, weekend What have just a shock. That, City. I was, I'm telling you, I was, I thought I went crazy first. I thought I was watching like a, a rewind of a game because they, like, zoomed in. They did, like, the, you know, the, the panning yep. sweep of, like, the crowds. Like, I, like, ought to be said, like, what the hell? There's,
0: like, fans? I, I knew fans were going to be. I think it was six stadiums or something like that and Kansas City I knew was one of them I didn't when they said 17,000 I was like my jaw was on the ground like we're still in a pandemic (laughs) like there's a thousand people dying every day like what I don't know and I know week three is gonna well, oh the, the stadiums for more. The Cowboys, Cowboys, I think, have it this
1: week, right? They'll have yes. fans. Cowboys. Jacksonville had fans, but it looked like a normal game, so there, it's like there what was... was more there than normal. <laughs> what was uh, the difference? Miami will have oh, fans, great.
0: which is more than normal. It fins up, baby. Uh, week three, I think Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Denver will have fans. Indianapolis is going to have – get this. Indianapolis is going to have 2,500 fans. 3% capacity of point? Lucas Oil Stadium. What is the point? That you, almost seems like cost like like it's like, going to costing you more? more to like do like the security and
1: everything. Then it's like you I should have to th- open all of the food spots in the
0: stadium. I yeah. don't even know it? if you can. Are they serve? They can't be serving. I think the way they're doing it, or at least the way they're doing it in Miami, is each section has designated um, people bringing the food to right. your seat. You have seat. like a delivery, yeah. kind of, yes. Um, like if you're sitting in the good like,
1: seats, if you ever sat, like, got, like, the box seat somewhere or something, and you have that, like, you just pay someone, they bring in your food. That is
0: amazing. And <laughs> Miami and Dallas, I believe, have, like, makeshift suites for the people oh, God, that are going to be there. That's <sighs>
1: Listen, there's every chance silly that we're overreacting, and, you know, maybe, like, it's safe to have, like, big outdoor events like that if, like, people are, if you can distance people and put masks on, there's every chance that we might be overreacting. However... The just the optics of like trying to fill stadiums while like thousands of people are dying still like just feels wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just and like I, and then you had like them booing the the unity <sighs> stuff. We I don't know how deep we get into that, but I mean it's just it's just exhausting. That it's was just,
0: that was just pathetic. It was like let's boo this and then we're gonna go do our racist you know yeah. tomahawk
1: chant. It's just um wow.
0: Not a, <laughs> just I was
1: aghast <laughs> when I saw that and I just. I, 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 I don't know. I was just shocked. 17,000 off the bat just seemed ridiculous. Yes. That seems like week 10 numbers. That doesn't, like, I get, like, your, you know, it's like championship, you know, like you're hanging the banner or whatever, and, like, I get it. As if, like, so especially, wild. like, they had a similar weight to, like, the Eagles where it's like, you've waited so long, this is a great team, you want to celebrate it, but damn, 17,000?
0: You couldn't do 7,000?
1: 7, 7,000 is a lot of people. That's, That's a lot.
0: And it and just seems all crazy. the camera angles. It just seemed like everybody was on top of each other. Dude, like, the mask uh, wearing wasn't what I would call complicit. Nope. <laughs> I just, uh,
1: I don't know. I it's just it, they it did just,
0: say that that is the most that will be at a game this season. For now, I mean, yeah. again, like
1: this is week one. You know, we're talking what's what's going to happen in you know November. You know, you're, you're telling me there's not going to be people trying to get fooled. You're telling me right now. Uh, Dallas is not going to try getting a full well, stadium in, like, week 11. Jerry's <laughs> going to try
0: that before the bye week. Right. Uh, Jimmy Siggs just hit a home run. So, for nothing, Phils. Yeah. Yeah, fans in the stands, especially right now, just seems incompetent. Shout-out to uh, Mayor Kenny, too, shutting down streets so that people can't go tailgate because, allegedly, there were uh, plans in the works for people to go tailgate this Eagles game on Sunday. With thousands upon thousands of people, even though all the parking lots are
1: closed, here's the issue with that: is like, listen, I get it, I get the temptation of like wanting to hang out with some buds. Here's what I get: you can still hang out with your friends, like you know, like you can still like go over like someone, like you can even like by quote unquote law, you can be in other people's houses now. Like mm-hmm. it's not like we're in like what we were March and April. It's like you have to be like Home. only with your family, Curf, only yeah. with right, like. You know, we've like under we have an understanding now of like how to be safe. Mm-hmm. Like obviously don't go crazy, but the problem is like if you're going to go to like a big tailgate and what worries me about them is like there's obviously lots of drinking and just it turns into just a giant party at, at a point. And even if you're outside, like it just seems just unnecessary risk. Like if you want to hang out with your friends and like have some beers and like grill or whatever, like you can do that. Do it. Like it's not an, an impossible nice task. Enough. You can have like a gathering of like 10-15 people still. Yeah. Again, and that's
0: t- typically what your tailgating group is.
1: Right. Like, I, you know, I, it's it, there's still ways to like enjoy, like again, it's not, it's not obviously the full experience. Like you can't go to like Xfinity right and like have like a, a great time like maybe you normally would. But there's still ways to like have fun and like enjoy this. Like don't be like an idiot and and like if you want to be back sooner,
0: don't be an idiot.
1: Don't go tailgating with a thousand strangers. I don't know,
0: like that's just <sighs> it's just stupid, absolutely stupid um Eagles Rams on Sunday Phillies hopefully continue to win games and move a little (laughs) bit more up in the standings than the seven seed but who the hell knows let's just get in the dance and see what happens um and who knows when the Sixers will have a coach again but we'll keep you updated and that's why you gotta follow us on social media Twitter and Instagram at underground PHI you can follow Matt on Twitter at matt castorena. You can follow me on Twitter at kbizzl311. Check out all of our written content at undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. I just put a blog post up about Jojo Romero today. Hit me with a retweet. He's he's a handsome he looking a boy. Specific. He looks like he was like time warped out of
1: nineteen seventy seven.
0: And the like, crazy thing is, it's like he's undergone like the Pokemon evolution yeah. from guys like that signed. always do.
1: Guy, like, guys that are, like, built like him and look like him oh, were, like, wiry kids when they were 13 and are now just, like, That is Giorgio
0: Romero initially.
1: Wow. <laughs> he looks like he should be selling me a car in that picture. Yes. Which there's nothing wrong with, but he just does not look like Giorgio Romero now.
0: evolved, and now he is he the is majestic steed sh- that he is. He is striking. Did you see the video of him uh, crushing the Red I Bull did, on his arm? and, um... That's just you know
1: what's crazy is he can do that, but Zach Wheeler can't put his pants on without ripping a right. fingernails. He can smash a can, and those things are compact. By the way, they're not like yep. the big round fat soda cans, right? Like they have they have the length that makes it harder. And he just he's done that every day since he oh, was like easy. ten, I think. I don't know. Impressive.
0: What a beast! And he was just sitting in the minor leagues when he could have been up here in the bullpen. Give us, give since us, twenty eighteen.
1: Give us what we want.
0: Like if Jojo Romero is not your favorite Philly right now, I don't know what I mean, you do. It's, it's still Bryce for me. I it, mean, it, obviously, it's but... still
1: it's still Bryce, Boehm, JT, JT. But JT, I'm always a little afraid of because like he's so Chad looking, like yeah, he, he could stuff me in a locker and Reese. I'd thank him. Yeah, Jojo's making his way up. Though. He's he's working he's working his way into that upper tier. That's for sure.
0: Love Jojo Romero. Uh, the only thing that would make him better is if he just wanted to come on the show. I mean. Put that in the blog post. Invitation is there, Joe, Joe. Uh, But check out undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. Pat Pitts has been doing uh, his waiver wire pickups for fantasy football and start sit blogs that come out weekly. So don't want to miss out on that for fantasy football content and uh, all that good stuff. Undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. Check out all of our podcasts as well. Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know how you feel about this Eagles team. How you're feeling about the Phillies? Do you want Mike D'Antoni here? And uh, give a shout-out to Coots for winning the Selkie. Five stars only because we have standards. We know you do, too. And you can check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, radio.com. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. And uh, we'll be back later this week. Tons of content coming out on the Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast feed. Uh, new Eagles enemies with USA Today's Rams Wires uh, writer Cam De Silva coming out uh, on Friday. We'll have a new episode previewing Eagles Rams and uh, obviously every Sunday morning 1130 a.m. over on Twitch. If you're watching right now on Twitch, shout out to you. Twitch.tv slash underground sports PHI. We've got the Breakfast Blitz morning show taking you through fantasy football and all the football gambling uh, needs that you have. So make sure you check that out. Make sure you follow the channel, Underground Sports PHI, on twitch.tv. And uh show would not be possible without our awesome local sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And, of course, our kick-ass merch provider, Design Tree, dsgntree.com search underground sports philadelphia and at checkout use the promo code dsgn5 to save five dollars off your order tomahawkshades.com use our promo code usp at checkout saves you 25 percent off your entire order and all orders right now 75 dollars and over qualify for free shipping and then of course our brand new friends over at manscape doing the damn thing manscape.com Use the code USP at checkout. Saves you 20% off your order, and you qualify for free shipping. Manscaped.com, promo code USP for 20% off and free shipping. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 266. For Matt, I'm KB. We are signing off. Peace.